Ladies and gents, welcome to Next Level Radio. I am your host, Colby Wartman, and our mission is to tackle the biggest questions in strength and conditioning, business, investing, and everything in between. We bring to you the best people in every sector so that you, the listener, can benefit and learn from the best in the biz. Whether that is S&C or business, you can rest assured you're getting the best knowledge available. Next Level Radio continues to grow because of our listeners and our sponsors. Today, we present you Fat Fish Brewing, the official beer of Next Level Radio. Whether you're looking for a night out with family or smashing the best craft beers in the area, you will find it all at Fat Fish Brewing. Check out Fat Fish on Village Street in Dickinson or check them out on their website at fatfishbrewing.com. Life has an amazing way of coming full circle and bringing to you the people that you need in your life at that time. As a young whippersnapper, four monsters deep, just excited to tackle the day, I'm headed to my first strength and conditioning conference, and I hear about a company called Team Builder. Multiple coaches with experience with Team Builder and other platforms said the exact same thing. They said that you can get very similar products across different platforms. However, the thing that truly sets aside Team Builder and puts their product above anybody else's is their true and genuine customer service. As a customer for many years, both at the university setting and the private facility, I can tell you Team Builder's customer service is absolutely second to none. Late night emails, programming issues, emergencies on my end are all resolved very, very quickly. So join the thousands of universities and private facilities that use Team Builder to elevate their businesses by going to teambuilder.com, click start my free trial and use code NLT at checkout. Our next sponsor, Nutridyne, a medical supplement company aimed at enhancing performance and addressing the underlying issues of disease. You will be hard-pressed to find the quality that you'll find at Nutridyne. Listeners of this podcast get 20% off all supplements. Just go to at coach underscore Wartman and click the Nutridyne link in our bio. Keep up with us on Instagram at coach underscore Wartman on our website nl-training.com or keep up with us on the next episode of Next Level Radio. Now sit back, relax, and take in the mind-melting knowledge of this episode. Welcome everybody to Next Level Radio. It is good to be back in the studio after a little bit of a hiatus, and I am getting ready to actually head on vacation, so we are hammering out our podcasts. And Just like many things in my life, um, right before I go to bed, I get these just freaking crazy ideas, and I either have one of two things happen. If I'm not being lazy, I'll grab my phone, I'll type it in, I'll fall back asleep. If I'm being lazy, my wife is a saint, and I say, hey, text me blank, blank, blank podcast. Text me blank, blank, blank business idea, and that's usually where some of my good ideas come from and some of the shittiest ideas I've ever had come from. So this idea came from this and I was having a conversation with a good friend of mine, um, Darren Hansen, who is going to be joining us next week on this podcast, talking about something very similar in this space. And 
I, I first wanted to start with some of the most inf- impactful people in my entire life have been coaches, obviously family, obviously friends and all this, but coaches for some reason have this, have this, uh, this desire to change and they have a lasting effect on athletes. And for me, that's one of the huge reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing. And before we get into this, whew, it is 10 a.m. in the morning. All right. On a Monday, baby, we're starting the week off hot and heavy. I got the double shot coffee stout from my boys at Fatfish. First try here. Ooh, baby. I'm usually not a stout guy, and that is legit. Wow, that is good. That is a good coffee beer. So um, I'm using that as my coffee today at 10 a.m., and we're going to get after it. Some of the best podcasts come from Fat Fish Beer, plain and simple. That's how it goes. So what I was getting to is coaches have such a big lasting effect on athletes, both positively and negatively. I don't buy into the culture of when athletes say, well, this, this coach ruined it for me, or I can't play because of this coach. And what I always get back to is the coach never, the coach never criticizes somebody that works their ass off 24 seven. So what I always tell people is you have to grind. You have to give them every excuse not to put you on the bench. This is why I don't buy into this 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 narrative where athletes say I'm just not going to play because of this coach. I get it. There's terrible coaches out there, just like there's terrible nurses, just like there's terrible police officers, just like there's terrible strength coaches. But if you work your tail off and you prove to them that you're going to work for them, you're going to respect them. Most coaches, most coaches that are in the game will respect that. But it's the athletes that are kind of on the fence, and that coach does one thing: they're hard on them, and they say, "Oh, I'm out." I'm not going to play because of this coach. I don't like that. I don't like that. If you've exhausted every single avenue you can, then we can maybe have that conversation. But I, I just don't buy into that. It's a, it's a thing where you just got to work. You, you have to work. And I'm not, I'm not saying you have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and do all this, but you have to work and prove yourself. Okay? So the question before we get into all the nitty-gritty that we're getting into today is one question. And this week and next week is going to answer one question with different perspectives. What makes a great coach? And through that, right, we're going to answer what makes a bad coach on the opposite end. But what makes a great coach? And to answer that question, we have to look at the perspective between a young mind and a matured mind. Looking at coaches as a young high school, middle school kid, it's hard to see the effort, the intensity, the dedication, the motivation that these coaches are putting into you and all of your teammates. But once you become experienced or once you get older, once you get out into the world, you start to realize the impact those coaches had on you and you start to regret not respecting them. You start to regret not feeding into them and not getting every ounce of knowledge that they had, you start to regret that. And so this perspective switch of a young athlete to a old athlete or a, or an adult. And my experience, my experience with coaches was very positive. I was striving for a father figure. I was striving for somebody that could step in that role healthily and guide me as a young man. And 
some places I got that and some places I didn't. But we have to look at, if you're going to be a great coach, we have to look at what every athlete needs, right? Some athletes need that father figure. Some athletes just need somebody to get them up in the morning. But I think what makes a great coach is somebody that can coach to the athletes. You're going to have your philosophy. You're going to have your practice plan. You're going to have all this stuff, but you need to individually coach to that athlete. And for me, I needed the father figure. And so the, the coaches that stepped into that role that cared for me, that loved me, but were hard on me, those were the people that I gravitated towards. And those are the people that are going to be on my list because those people had the biggest impact in my entire life. It's hard, it's hard to think of, but maybe besides teachers and family, think of somebody else in, an athlete, in a kid's life that has more of an impact than a coach. It's hard. And for me, I, I take that wholeheartedly because you never know the impact you're going to have until it's over. And if you're going to lollygag and go half-ass and not really buy into these athletes, I, you're not a coach. You're somebody that is blowing a whistle. You're not a coach. And I think just like police officers and just like nurses, there needs to be more pride in being a coach. Because you watching this, as I say, who was your favorite coach? Boom, it lights up. You, you know somebody right on the top of your tongue. And so if we have coaches that are just half-assing it and just posting shit on YouTube and Instagram just to say I do it, get out of the profession. Get out of the profession. We don't need you. You're a waste of the time for those athletes. You have a responsibility to mold the minds of the youth. And if you're going to half-ass it and you're not going to give every single thing that you have, get out of the profession. Coaches hold more responsibility than most things in this life. Take it seriously and develop those athletes. Love those athletes. Be hard on those athletes. In today's day and age, you can't be hard on an athlete. I beg to differ. It's the coaches that snap that are hard, that don't care for the athlete, and then they just snap. That's when they don't get respect. But when the athletes respect you, they know you care about them. And you get upset because they made a mistake because you expect more out of that athlete. Nothing happens because they respect you. It's the coaches that think they're rah-rah and they just want to make an example of a kid. Well, that kid knows you don't respect them. That kid knows you don't love them. And then you're going to scream at them. I'll say it one more time. If you do not take coaching seriously, if you're just trying to get into it for a part-time job or to make money, leave. There's no room for you. These kids need examples. They need father and mother figures. They need people that are going to guide them so that when they get out on their own, they can think back on a podcast like this and say, Joe Schmo was my favorite coach. Hands down. He loved me. He cared for me. He was hard on me. That's the coaches we need. So my, my experience as a athlete came down to, um, in high school, I had many, many different high school coaches, right? And we're going to get into the list of these, but it comes down to what does each athlete need, right? What does that each athlete need in that? And it comes down to a different category of coaches, 
and I kind of just came up with this on the fly. Um, I was thinking about this the other day, and these are a few of the categories of coaches that I had, one, or that there are in the world. Category of coaches, number one, the best friend coach. This coach is usually younger, fairly new, very, very good at what he or she did, played college football, played college basketball, but wants to be friends of all the players. So you see this a lot at NAID twos, right? Um, guys that could just graduate, they become graduate assistants and all the coaches say, hey, this is not your friend. You're treating him or her as a coach. Usually doesn't happen. Those guys usually are still going out to the bars with these athletes or in high school, they're just treating them as a friend. This quite possibly over the long run, if not taken care of, can be the worst situation for athletes. Reason, you now look at this person as a friend and you don't respect them as, a, as an adult. You don't respect them as a coach. So now when times get hard, this is a friend. I don't need to listen to him or her. This is not a coach. This can be a very, very detrimental thing, but as the coach, it's coming out of a good place. I get it. It's coming out of a good place. You're trying to cater to these athletes, but when it comes down to it, you're still the coach. You're still the person they look up to, not a friend. And then number two, there's the old school coach, and we've all had one of these, right? We'll take zero advice from anybody else, no athletes, no other coaches, and usually in football, they still run the I formation. These are the coaches that do not want to adapt. They're about to retire. And having said that, not all coaches that are getting ready to retire are these old school coaches. Old school fundamentals still are the most important thing in most sports or strength games. But the unwillingness to adapt is what makes these guys the old school coach. They'll take no advice. They believe water is weakness. They'll tell you all about the glory days, and they still run the I formation. This is the old school coach. And then number three, the passive coach. This coach could be new, could be bouncing around from different school to school. They do, they do not believe in their abilities, and so they're very passive, okay? This person may be an assistant, but this, I don't care if it's an assistant or a head coach, you still have the responsibility to foster and mold the minds of these athletes. And this person second guesses him or herself all the time. Absolutely all the time. And number four, we've all had one of these, the five-hour energy coach. This coach is absolutely insane. They drink five-hour energies all day. They're always hopped up. It's either four-wheel drive or nothing. We're going Pin down, all gas, no brakes, 24-7. And if this is not a mirage, if this is not a character, this can be a positive coach, right? But if this is a character that's put on, kids see through it. Kids see through it. If the passion's really not there, if you're not fired up because of the passion, you're just fired up to be fired up, kids see through that. So the five-hour five hour energy coach coaches very, very hard, but most of the time they love even harder. And you're going to hear me say this when I go through a list of my coaches that changed my life. They coach hard. They love harder. That is what we need to look for in a coach. 
they have experiences, they've made mistakes, but this coach is always going crazy. Okay. So now we get into the questions that I ask my athletes. So I'm going to have a few um, answers to when I ask my athletes, what makes a great coach? And I told them, I preface this, this could be sport coaches. This could be teachers. This could be strength coaches. This could be any type of figure that coaches you through a skill to make you better. And um, it was really cool. I, I did not expect some of the responses that I got. And how I look, how I look at a coach is the impact coaches have is astronomical. Some of my best memories in this in, in my life are tied back to coaches. You see those coaches in uh, your adult life, you're enthused. You love seeing them because you bought into them. You love those people and because they loved you and they respected you. And man, I'm getting to the point now as a strength coach, as a coach, that I'm getting athletes that have that impact, that have switched from that very young mind into a molded veteran experience mind. And I'm getting calls and I'm getting texts and I'm getting these coach. Thank you for everything that you did. Thank you for your passion. Thank you for believing in me. Thank you for all these things. That changes a kid's life. And that changes my life because of how I feel from what they're telling me. That absolutely changes a kid's life. If you can believe in a kid when he has a shitty <clears throat> when he has a shitty home life, when has no parents, they have no money, but he or she works for you and you believe in them, that will change the trajectory of that kid's life. It's a big deal. And when when you get those texts back, it's quite possibly my favorite thing in the world. <clears throat> Um, my coaches help mold my life. So I went through addiction. I went through all these things, but it wasn't because of a lack of good coaching. I had amazing coaches. It was other stuff that I had to address in my life. They molded my life. They saved my life and they supported my life molded, saved and supported I've told this, this story before on the podcast, but um, I think it's a story that could be told 100,000 100, different times. Specifically, a coach that saved my life, okay? Um, in college, I was all-conference um, playing outside linebacker, and I had a heroin and opiate addiction. And this addiction took over my life. Yes, I still went to practice. Yes, I still smashed heads. Yes, I still did my homework. But I was always, always on an opiate or heroin. So I'd get off of practice. I'd go over to this individual's house. We'd do the thing. And everything else was set off to the side. But for some reason, I had this higher calling that I knew I had to get this stuff done. I, I was the football player. I had to do it. But that doesn't mean how... I, I can't reiterate how bad it was. And I had a coach, Coach Stanton, head coach of Dickinson State Blue Hawks. first person that I called. He was the first person that I called. So you don't think that a coach has an impact on an athlete's life 
when I had my back pinned against the wall, when I was addicted to the worst drug that this world has to offer, the first person I called was a coach. I didn't call my parents. I didn't call my friends first. I called a coach, then I called my parents. Now, why is that? Because they actually truly cared for you. And this coach specifically, Coach Stanton, had hundreds of other kids to worry about, a family to worry about, a season to worry about, workouts to worry about, practice plans to worry about, family to worry about. He picked up the phone. He said, meet me at my office now. I go there. I explain the situation. I'm scared. I'm withdrawing. And he looks me in the eye and he said, Colby, you're going to be okay. We just have to get this figured out. He makes calls to people in the medical field and says, hey, we need to get you down to the hospital. Go down to the hospital for hours. I'm withdrawing off the worst drugs this world has to offer. And guess who was by my side? No friends. My family's all the way back in Wyoming. Coach Stanton is there sitting with me the entire time. So, yes, he has, to, he has to do the X's and O's, and he has to win games, and he has to do that. But do you think he wins games if he doesn't pick up that phone? No, because that shows he doesn't care. And he'd do that for anybody. I'm not fucking special. He'd do that for anybody. That's the responsibility of the coach. That's what a coach is. Yeah, a coach is good at the X's and O's and winning games. That is what a coach is. He saved my life. From that day forward, I've never touched another drug. That day forward. How impactful is that? How many kids have I been able to actually impact? Because of that man. Because of that time. Yes, I had to change something in my mind. I had to go through the hard stuff. But that was the pivot point. And now I get to influence athletes. And then he hires me at the college to influence his athletes because he trusted me. I hope you see the ripple effect of what a coach can have. I really, really hope you have, can see how big of an impact a coach can have. Because without that day, all the thousands of athletes that I've been able to help or guide or just love, it doesn't happen. And then what happens to that kid? And then what happens to that kid's kids? This is what a coach is. It's the most important role in a kid's life. If you do not take it as seriously as Coach Stanton did, get out of the way. So um, that is what a coach is to me. Molding, saving, and supporting Coaching hard and loving harder. And so my athletes, and you can kind of see where the young mind and the experienced mind and where they're at in that, in that realm, but here's some of the responses that my, athletes, um, that my athletes gave to the question, what makes a great coach? Easton, he wants a coach that is very experienced and great at the sport or activity that they're teaching. And this brings up a good and great topic. Does a coach, to be a successful coach, do you have to be able to demonstrate to 
um, demonstrated a high level to be able to previously play the game at a high level. So as a strength coach, are you able to move the weights? Are you able to do what you're asking your athletes to do? And some people say, yes, a coach has to do that. And some people say, no, a coach doesn't. And how I look at it in the strength and conditioning world, I like a coach and I try to mimic being a coach that can hang with the athletes. But guess what? Father time always catches up. And I'm on that other end of that cycle where it hasn't hit yet. But I know the day has to come. But does that elicit success for that coach? And for me, I like a coach that one can or has played the sport or the activity at a very high level. Because with a kid that cannot believe in themselves, with athletes that I can't do that coach, they see you as a coach being able to actually do that and then not just demonstrate, but believe in them and tell them, dude, you got this. You have this. This is easy money. Let's get after it. So you being able to show them and mold their mind of, hey, this coach takes it seriously. This coach has my best interests in mind. That can change the life of an athlete. And so that in that case, I truly like a coach that can be or has been great at their sport. But some of the best coaches in the world didn't play the sport at a high level. They understand the sport at a high level. They can teach the sport at a high level. That elicits success. The second one from my girl, Maya Mary. Someone who pushes you and is very encouraging. So it it goes a little bit deeper than this, right? But these athletes understand that they want a coach that can be that motivator, somebody that tells them they can do it when they don't believe in themselves or pushes them past where they thought their, their limit was. That can be a great coach. That can be a great coach. Um, and being very encouraging, right? Uh, I think having coached both college, professional, and high school athletes, the encouragement, anytime an athlete comes into your gym, whether that's at the university or that's at your private facility, every single time a client or athlete comes into that gym, it is their recess, It is your job and your responsibility to make the hardest part of their day walking into that gym. After that, they need to be having fun. They need to be getting better. They need to have discipline. Those are the things that we have to have instilled. But being encouraging can change the life of any athlete, right? Because at the high school, they just take that, for example, early high school, they don't believe in themselves. They're getting picked on from seniors. They're sitting the bench on JV or they're just playing JV. These are the kids that it's, you need to encourage. You don't, you do not reward bad movement or bad behavior, but you encourage great behavior and you encourage great movement. Good job, Easton. You did freaking awesome on that one. Or, Hey, here's what you want to switch, but this and this were amazing. That's the encouragement these kids need. A third response, Brenner Conrad, my man. Brenner has been one of the, um, the most dedicated athletes I've ever had. And he will outwork anybody. In the big scheme of things of the United States of America, is he the most talented athlete in the world? No. 
I wasn't the most talented athlete in the world. But you know what he has? He will outwork anybody. And you know what's cool? You get somebody in there that might try to outwork him, he starts raising up. He will not shy away from competition. That's what makes a great athlete. And this is what Brenner thinks makes a great coach. As a coach, you're not my friend. I want you to be a mentor that acts like a father figure for your athletes and gets in their faces if they take the simplest of mistakes. No one wants a coach that copies the players personally because that leads to having priorities. See, that's the exact case of somebody that is very similar to me when I was younger. I needed somebody who is going to coach hard and love harder. These kids are like my kids. I care for them just as if they're my kids. But Brenner, he needs, he needs somebody that can motivate and push and get to a level that he can't get to by himself. That is what a great coach is to Brenner. And that's what I want you guys to realize is I'm trying to bring all these different perspectives of kids and what they need is a coach. Because when I ask what makes a great coach, they're going to say what makes a great coach to them. Some kids want getting up in your face. Some kids don't. And then my man, David. David is one of those kids who will outwork anybody. Him and Brenner are partners. Him and Brenner get after it, and they rise to the occasion. A good coach is someone that can use a player's strengths and skills to his advantage and build a better team off of knowing that and find weaknesses that can be fixed and made better overall by getting to know your player. So take the entire thing out and look at the very bottom of what I just said. Better knowing your player. I, these are, I haven't read these yet. This is off the top, and uh, this is the first time I read these. And so getting to know your players better, I think that is the key to all success. Look at high-level college football. Those guys are having team dinners. They're watching film. They're practicing. They're going through crappy workouts together. Knowing what your athletes are made of and knowing them personally, caring for them personally, that is what makes the best coach. Um, and especially to Davin. Davin wants you to know what they're doing personally in their lives, how you can support them. Because a great coach shows up. A great coach comes to games when they don't have to. When they're a coach in the weight room, but they come and watch their games. That's what I truly enjoy. Besides getting maybe texts or letters from athletes that have grown up and made their own lives and impacting others, going to watch these kids play is my favorite thing in the world. Fridays and Saturdays, awesome. Love them. I head out. I watch kids play because that's what they care about, and that's I love doing it. I love watching it. So I, ooh, I just got another response as we're talking on the podcast. Boom. First thing that comes to mind, Taryn Hoff. First thing that comes to mind would have to be the ability to be involved and build relationships with their athletes and to make them feel comfortable enough not to be hesitant to ask questions. Bam, that is live, ladies and gentlemen. So 
to be involved and build a relationship with these athletes, with these athletes. This is a reoccurring theme in all these kids that gave me responses. These kids want you to be involved. They want you to be involved in their lives personally, in their sports, in their families. And it comes down to coaching hard and loving harder. It's the most important thing. Hands down, the most important thing I can think of. So um, my list of what makes a great coach. This was off the top of the head. Bang, bada, boom. Let's see what it says. And number one, guess it. Coach hard, love harder. I have one person in mind on my list of my coaches that fits that definition better than any coach in the country. I guarantee it. You bring me a coach that coaches harder and loves harder than this person, I'll find you a liar because there's no person that coaches harder and loves harder than this person on my next list. Number two, loving athletes as their own. You're going to have athletes that are different, that are weird, that are not weird, that are normal. You're going to have this spectrum of people and athletes that you have to absolutely love them for what they do because every athlete's going to bring a strength. Say there's a freshman that can't chew gum and walk in a straight line. But guess what? They are always encouraging. They're always encouraging their teammates. That's the role that that athlete plays, and that is what that athlete is better better than anybody in the world at. So we have to honor that and play to their strengths. So loving athletes is their own. Number three, having made mistakes and have experience. My biggest regret in life, besides not going to the military, my biggest regret in life was not learning the mistakes of my, my coaches. They were trying to tell us. They were trying to tell us, but I didn't have that veteran mind. I didn't have that experienced mind. So I just, whatever. That coach doesn't matter. His experience doesn't matter. That was back in the day. That doesn't pertain to today. So a big regret of mine is not taking the mistakes and the experiences of my coaches as seriously. Number four, communication. This could have been number one, right? It falls into coach hard, love harder. But communication and effective communication from a coach to an athlete is paramount. We've all had the coaches that can't communicate well. And when I say, who's your favorite coach? That person doesn't pop to mind, right? So communication elicits success. Without it, you aren't going to be the first person that pops into an athlete's mind. So being able to effectively communicate and find communication strategies and avenues that each athlete has, that how each athlete learns. So being an effective communicator, um, and man, I've been saying it, and I really, really want to, but Brett Bartholomew is putting on some amazing, amazing art of coaching clinics that I really want to get into. Um, it's, it's something that I really want to do because I think he's changing lives in the boardroom and the weight room. Number five, they expect more out of you. And having said this, guys, I wrote this list before I got all the responses of these athletes. So coach, coach hard, love harder. That fits in with all their responses. Loving athletes as their own. That fits in. Experience mistakes really doesn't fit in. Communication getting to know them, showing up to games, doing all these things that fits in with their responses. Number five, expects more out of you. That falls right into Brenner's and Davin's and Terrence. Number six, 
what sets people apart, okay? So how are, how are you going to use their strengths and actually set them apart from their teammates, from anybody else? Number seven, being what I needed. And this is very hard because coaches have hundreds of different athletes, but having a coach that can be what you needed. For me, I needed a father figure. I needed somebody there for me. Um, and I hope to be that for many other athletes. And number eight is just kind of off the top, but the impact you have is massive. So take it seriously. That's the cap off that. So um, I wanted to get into a little bit of my coaches that changed my life. Okay. Um, so I'm going to pop these guys up on the screen when we get here. Um, and then we will be, uh, done here. So I had a list. There's no order. There's zero order on these, but I'm going to tell you why these coaches were the best coaches in the world. And number one, no certain order. Number one, coach Dean Barrett, coach Dean Barrett, these pictures right here. Um, the first one is back in Shadron State days when he was wrestling at a very high level. Um, he was my high school wrestling coach. The second picture is when he was deployed to the Middle East with his son. Okay, He was a shop teacher. He was a wrestling coach. He was a husband. He was a father. All these different things. And in the middle of his teaching and coaching career, he has to get deployed to Afghanistan. I don't remember if it's Afghanistan or Iraq, but he had to get deployed and he got deployed with his own son. So very, very cool story. And that picture really, really um, is something that I hold near and dear. Coach Barrett was a coach that expected more out of you, but he wasn't the coach that was going to scream and yell and try to get these things out of you. You just knew when Coach Barrett expected more out of you, you did it. And where does that come from? Respect. Because he would show up to your middle school events. He would show up to your USA wrestling events. And you see that person and you say, why is he here watching me? Because he cares. And so Coach Barrett wasn't the raw, raw, five-hour energy coach. He always had great energy, but it was even kill. He was the coach that expected more out of you now. And the cool thing about Coach Barron is he had success for a long, long amount of time. That man had some of the best wrestling teams Warland, Wyoming has ever seen. So that's, uh, that's Coach Barron. He is a dog. Number two, again, no apparent order because these could be flip-flopped or vice versa. Coach Dupree. I get not emotional about this one, but he really had an impact on my life, man. Um, coach Dupree was a football coach of mine and um, a track coach of mine. And during some of the worst times of my addiction in high school, um, I had addiction through high school and college, um, Coach Dupree saw through that, and he saw me for who I was. And he saw me for my talent. And he saw me for what I could do for the team, honestly. And he saw what he saw in me that I didn't see. Coach Dupree ran track at a very high level. The man was so experienced, okay? Coach Dupree would tell you in his jokes, man, 
Coach Dupree's jokes were just off the charts. But he would always tell you um, he's older than dirt and that Jesus was his best student. He's been around the block. He's done that, you know. And Coach Dupree was a man of few words, okay? He was going to come over, roast you, do all these things, but he was a man of few words. And he elevated any room he stepped into. If Coach Dupree stepped into the room, you expected more. Hands down. You had to do your job better. You had to be a better athlete. You had to be a better teacher because he expected it out of everybody. And um, I just saw this picture. And um, during some of the hardest times of my life, um, I made it in the 100-meter dash to the finals at state. And there's all these little skinny dudes, just these little tiny skinny tall kids. And then there was me, 215 pounds, just shredded up running in the 100 meter dash. And I ran the race of my life and I trained and I was, uh, I did very, very well in the 100 meter dash at state. And, um, but my times were in the top three, in the top five, right? But I wasn't number one. But Coach Dupree told me I was number one. He told me, you can run with these guys. I believe in you. I, and he didn't have to say those things. I just knew he believed in me. And um, <clears throat> on my last race, on, uh, on, um, when I was in high school, going through the hardest times ever, going through addiction, um, just starting track because I wanted to get better at other sports, and then fell in love with Coach Dupree and his coaching style, um, and him as a man. I mean, I still remember to this day the hug he gave me after um, the 100-meter dash, and it means the world to me because he had other athletes, right? He had a bunch of different athletes that uh, he could have pertained to, and he came and he came and gave me a hug because I was the most important person at that time, and um that's the impact that the coaches have. Just a small hug, just doing something so small that uh, means the world to that athlete. Um, he's a great man, and he's affected hundreds of thousands of athletes um, over many, many years. Um, <clears throat> number three, Coach Stanton. Um, I already told you this story, and I hold this man higher than I hold most people um, in regards to respect. And I already told you the story. Coach Stanton um, is a wholehearted guy. He runs a very successful program. He loves his athletes. He does all these things very, very well, right? And Coach Stanton went above and beyond for me, went to the hospital with me while I was at the lowest point in my life, and maybe that's why I hold him very highly. And then the impact that he hired me as a coach, as a strength and conditioning coach at the university to help impact his athletes. It's, it's just really cool how it came full circle. And uh, I'm very good friends with him. Go to church, same church. And uh, Coach Stanton is somebody that I'll always cherish and um, look up to. He's a, a great individual. Wow, that Coach Dupree one got me. Um Number one, two, three, four, number five, Coach Pete Leno. Um, Coach Pete Leno was uh, my mentor going through my bachelor degree and through some of my master's, but through my bachelor degree, and he taught me 
almost everything I know about strength and conditioning. And what I'll tell you right now is he has no business being at an NAID2 school with what he's done. He should be with the best athletes in the world. And he is. I mean, he has his business, AccuPower Solutions, and he does force plate testing. And he brought force plate testing, some of the most in-depth testing for athletes, to a very, very small NAI school that has no business having these force plates. And um, so he, he absolutely taught me everything I knew about strength and conditioning. But more importantly, he taught me and piqued my interest in strength and conditioning. He changed my life in that regard, right? If I wouldn't have met Coach Leno and he would have taught me these things and sparked this interest in the strength game, in the iron game, um, I don't know if I'd be here today, right? I, w- I wouldn't be freaking talking to myself in front of this camera and to you guys out there. Um, Coach Pete Leno, man, he's, he's a class act. I absolutely love that man. And he cares for people. He really does. Um, and I, I've been so freaking lucky with all these coaches. I got three more, um, that have changed my life. Um, number, f- number six, so one, two, three. So Lena was four. Number five, Dalman Gibson, my man, Dalman Gibson. Um, this guy, I still have, oh man, this one might get me too. Um, Dalman was an athlete at DSU. And he had some very severe shoulder issues. And um, so he had to actually start coaching. And my first few years in um, at college, I started as a true freshman and all the way through there. Um, he It was his first few years of coaching, right? And so he was trying to, and he did a very good job. He was riding that line between friend and coach for a lot of people that he played with, but now they're his coach, right? And he cut that line very, very well. And now, I mean, it, it says volumes, right? He was at Michigan State, he's at Louisville, and he's coached all these big, big places, Colorado. And Dolman, um, truly a student of the game, number one. Number two, loved his athletes as his own. Us hell dogs, the hardest position on the field, the most gratifying position, the funnest position in a DSU defensive scheme. He, we, were, we were a group. We were a pact. And he treated us as his own kids. You call him. You need something. He's there. You need to run through a playbook. He's there. The extra meetings. He was there. Have you over for dinner. You were there. He did all the things right because he coached hard and loved harder. I remember him screaming at me because I was a dipshit. I didn't know. I, I, I really didn't know how to run defenses and stuff when I was younger. And he believed in me and put me in these situations to elevate my game. And Dalman, it was, it was one of the hardest days ever being a junior going into my senior year and Dalman leaving. And I remember to this day, and I still have this note in my file cabinet. I actually just came across it the other day. And I still have the note that Dalman wrote, hand wrote to every single hell dog before he left. And what he did is he said, these are the things that you're amazing at and that I believe in you at. Here's the things that if you want to be the best player and person you can, here's the things that you need to do. And then he just told you how much he cared about you and what he expected out of you down the road. 
He didn't have to do that. He was going to Colorado. He was going to these bigger schools with better athletes, with better coaches, with better facilities, and he wrote us, the Hell Dogs, all handwritten individual notes. And I still have that to this day. That's the impact coaches have. I, I hope you see this. Like, I had a coach save my life. I had a coach write me a note that I keep and will have forever, that my kids will see. I have a coach that I just cried as a grown-ass man and haven't thought about him in a long time. This is the impact coaches have, man. It's the coolest profession in the world. Um, number six, my man, the legend, Coach Hofflin. <sighs> coach Arlen Hofflin was the hardest coach that I've had. He screamed and he yelled and he wanted you to know that he expected so much more than what you were doing. If you had effort, if you were going 100 miles an hour, great. But if you were lackadaisical and going 50%, you were going to hear it. Coach Hofflin coached at DSU for 20-plus years. I think it was almost 30-plus years. Um, Freaking stud athlete. But this guy, this guy and the last two guys, this guy truly cared for you. He didn't care black, white, Hispanic, purple, yellow. He, she, he didn't care. He just truly cared for you. He was hard as all hell on you. And guess what? That's what I remember Coach Hofflin for. I see him out in public. We talk. We hang out. He is a wholehearted, genuine person. And guess what? When it comes to his family, his daughters, he's a teddy bear. But when it comes to the passion that he had for football and the passion he had for athletes, second to none, man. Second to none. He was quite possibly top one to two most influential coaches in my life. Um, a great, great individual. Um, I got two more. So, number one, I am bad memory. One, two, three, four, five, six. So, number seven, number seven, Coach Kurt Mayer. He's he probably going to listen to this podcast and be like, man, what the hell? I didn't even sneak into the sneak into the list. But again, there's no certain order. These are my dudes, man. These are my dudes. Um, Coach Kurt Mayer um, was there at a very influential part of my life. Believed in me so much that um, it's it's coaches fed right into the Shrine Bowl and it's coaches elected and you had to do well right you had to do very well to be elected into the Shrine Bowl and um, but it was all come down to the coaches the coaches would elect you into that position. Um, Coach Mayer gives me a call. I'm on a bus trip to go actually register uh, my weight um, for wrestling, so I'm cutting all this weight trying to get down and I get a call from Coach Mayer. And I'm like, what in the heck is this? And I knew he was, I knew he was at the Shrine Bowl trying to start pick people. And he's like, Wartman. Um, so about the Shrine Bowl, uh, I wasn't able to get you as an alternative for the Shrine Bowl. I'm sorry. I was like, damn, dude. Like I had a hell of a season. My first year at quarterback, like I was like, shit. Well, I appreciate it, coach. Like, thank you for doing everything you could, man. And he's like, 
That's why I got you a starting roster spot. So he, so he, he, he was able to go to bat for me, and uh, he changed a lot of things in my life. And I had him as a very young coach, so like where I was a few years back, right? And seeing his evolution as a person, as, as a coach, he was the five-hour energy coach, right? He was the coach that um, was very high energy because he loved it, and he was always going to be in your face, and his intentions were great, and now to this day, we're great best friends, man. He's a, he's a great, awesome dude. And he stepped into a role that was very hard, very, very hard in a bunch of turnovers with coaches. And it was just a very hard role, right? That man I hold very highly. He's a great, great human being. And then my last one, the person that fits the coach hard, love harder model is Coach Nick Walker. For anybody that listens to this podcast in North Dakota, you know the name Coach Nick Walker. And if you're a Trinity athlete or coach, or if you're a, a team that's playing against Coach Walker, you probably look at Coach Walker as very polarizing, right? He screams, he yells, he's hyped up. And you look at him, look at him as very polarizing. But what you don't see is how much he cares for those athletes, how much he shows up for those athletes, how many athletes' lives he's changed. He's been around the ringer from very high-level high school to college to very a little bit lower-level high school. He's impacted the lives of every athlete that he's come across, and he has a success, success record that shows it. If you have an athlete that was coached by Nick Walker, 99% of the time, they're going to have positive things to say about him because he loves those athletes through and through and genuinely loves. Not just, oh, I'm going to show up to these other guys' games because I kind of want to, and it, it makes me look good, right? He's there because he wants to be there. And it's very polarizing because when he's on the basketball court, he does not stop. He screams every single game until he doesn't, have a voice anymore but guess what he's there helping every single athlete his or not I have a story about an athlete that I coach he was at state track and he ran a race and um, coach Nick Walker was coaching a, for a different high school and you see coach Walker running over to this athlete that I coach and is hugging him saying hey this is what you could do this is what you could do better this could make you awesome at this event and helps that athlete that is competing against his athletes because he truly cares about that kid. Like that is the freaking epitome of coach hard, love harder coach, Nick Walker. He's one of the best men that has ever walked this planet. So, um, where does this go from here? Um, I've cried twice. I've uh, outlined the best coaches in this in this world has to offer, and it's it's really cool to um, reflect on these people. And I'm gonna put this out there, so I really really hope that these coaches see this because I freaking love them, man. They're they're great people, and it it comes from the heart. So where does this go from here? Next week, I'm going to have on good friend Darren Hansen, and Darren Hansen is. Again, he would say to you, Colby's a much better coach than I am. And I would say, Darren's on another level from where I'm at. 
it's a mutual respect and knowing that he is one of the best coaches there is, man. Um, it, it, it just comes down to that. His passion and love for the game is awesome. So I'm going to have him on next week, who is a high-level coach himself, right? And uh, I'm going to ask him the same question. What makes a great coach? And uh, we'll see what he says. So that is another episode of Next Level Radio. If you're a coach, see this responses that I've had and see these emotions that I've had. And all these athletes text me about this. Um, you have a huge role to play in these athletes' lives. Take it seriously. If you're going to call yourself a coach, take it seriously. You can save the lives of these kids. You can mold the lives of these kids. Take it seriously. If you call yourself a coach, do everything you can to change the life of these athletes. And if you don't and you still call yourself coach, get the hell out of the way because there's going to be a better coach coming right behind you. That was another episode of Next Level Radio. Peace.